0: for tuning in to Microbiome Matters, a podcast for healthcare professionals and researchers brought to you by Yakult Science. This podcast aims to share latest research and insights from experts about the science behind our gut microbiome. Hello and welcome to our second series of Microbiome Matters. My name is Rafaela and I'm the science communications intern at Yakult. Today we are joined by Professor Paulo O'Toole who is a Professor of Microbial Genomics at University College Cork in Ireland. His main research area is the gut microbiome in humans, where he has participated in many projects that examine the composition and function of the gut microbiota, its interaction with dietary patterns, and its relationship with health and ageing. He also coordinated the AlderMet study, a project that established diet-microbiota health interactions in the elderly population. And so, in today's episode with Professor Paul O'Toole, we will discuss how dietary patterns and lifestyle factors may influence the gut microbiota. Thank you so much, Professor Paul O'Toole, for joining us today. So, in our previous podcast series, we briefly discussed how the gut microbiota changes throughout the life course and some early life exposures that can shape our microbial communities. However, for those who perhaps haven't listened to our first series, Could you describe how age might affect the gut microbiota and consequences of that?
1: Sure, Raphael. I'd be delighted to. As we grow old, our body changes. So it's important to accept the fact that microbiome alterations can be due to the changes in our physiology. Older people produce less saliva, different kinds of saliva. They chew their food less. They may have different time for food to pass through the stomach, different levels of stomach acid, and then when the food enters the small bowel and the large bowel the intestinal transit typically slows down particularly as you get uh, even older than say 65 to 85 so one uh, important feature in this is that the older physiology has an effect on digestion accompanying that you ha- you typically have changes in diet and some individuals consume a narrow narrower diet which we can get onto later in in our conversation but it appears that as a consequence me- merely of physiological aging there are clear changes in the composition of the gut microbiome and in some of early, our earlier papers we showed that it's possible pretty much to tell someone's age simply by profiling their gut microbiome assuming that they're otherwise completely healthy in other words everything else being equal no organic disease no antibiotic treatment no strange lifestyle factors we can we can tell someone's uh, age from their gut microbiome alone because we see changes in the composition as a broad generalization the microbiome diversity decreases Sometimes this is referred to as the alpha diversity and people like summary statistics such as the number of observed species or the Shannon diversity index or the number of other ways of measuring alpha diversity. So the total diversity goes down. As one advances, one typically sees a loss of commensal taxa and some of these are largely beneficial, including the Bacteroidetes, which is a large phylum of sacrolytic bacteria these these bacteria are well armed to break down sugars in the diet and fibers and you also tend to lose short-chain fatty acid producers which are largely speaking from another phylum the firmicutes and in some extremes of life you also see, see gain of pathobionts, and pathobionts are a term applied to bacteria which under some circumstances cause disease they tend to be present in healthy people as well but they have the possibility of becoming pathogens or being associated with disease under the right circumstances so that basically summarizes the normal trajectory of the changes in the gut microbiome as a function of biological age
0: so it seems that older age might have the most negative impacts on the gut microbiota throughout our life course Would you agree with this?
1: No, I wouldn't. (laughs) So not just because I enjoy contradicting people. It's not actually true, Raphael. because there are other life events which are much more damaging to the gut microbiome than aging. In fact, an, an older person with a healthy lifestyle and healthy diet could have a much more typical microbiome than a younger person with, for example, C. diff infection which who will have received multiple rounds of antibiotics and whose microbiome looks like a desert perhaps even a younger person with a terrible diet we've done microbiome profiling of media personalities personalities with rockstar lifestyles or so they told me and they basically flew from airport to airport that was the lifestyle before the pandemic and their microbiome looked terrible so The good news for people who are aging is that you don't have to have a poor microbiome and the conditions which are associated with it, if you maintain your microbiome through diet and lifestyle manipulation, the outlook and the prospects are good.
0: So would you then say that lifestyle factors and dietary patterns are able to lessen the impact of aging on the gut microbiota?
1: Yes, I absolutely would. So if you go back over 10 years to our ElderMet study, we saw that people living in long term residential care tended to have a poor microbiome that was largely driven by diet. People living in the community, buying their own food, preparing their own meals, who, who ate sensibly, had good microbiomes and we have done some intervention studies where we've given people prebiotics and we've seen improvements in their microbiome and most recently we did a a big mediterranean diet study where we actually managed to maintain the microbiome and sort of delay the onset of frailty in people and importantly Other lifestyle factors like antibiotics and and exercise. Now, I don't want to give the impression that I'm against antibiotic therapy. On the contrary, in in most, in circumstances where your physician recommends antibiotics, that's absolutely what you should do. But we all know that excessive use of antibiotics, people going to GPs looking for an antibiotic because they have a community acquired cold, which is probably driven by virus, leads to excessive prescription of antibiotics. So where possible, antibiotics should be avoided unless a clinician tells you otherwise. And lifestyle factors like exercise are also important. Now, I don't totally understand the connection between exercise and the microbiome, but I do know that the more you exercise, Typically, the faster your intestinal transit, in other words, the quicker food moves through your system. And for older people who have a tendency to become constipated and maybe uh, much less active, if they start by walking five minutes a day, half an hour a day, at least to improve gastric function, they can tolerate more fiber in their food and it's a win win situation.
0: So, you briefly mentioned the Ultimate study, which aimed to look at the relationship between diet, the gut microbiota, and health in the elderly population. Could you perhaps describe the study design and what you looked at?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we we initially aimed to survey the baseline microbiota of 500 people. They were all measured at time zero, in other words, the beginning of the study, and then half of them came back back at three months or six months to see how stable their microbiome was over time. They all had a microbiome analysis done, which was initially a 16S profiling. And later on, we did metagenomics or shotgun sequencing. And for all of the subjects, we took a dietary history and they participated in a full set of anthropometrics, in other words, height, weight and complete analysis of their clinical metadata for all relevant health associations. They were all over age 65, so some of them were encountering medical issues anyway. So um, that allowed us to do a baseline association of the microbiome with health and diet, and then to follow them prospectively to see how things worked out over time.
0: And could you perhaps share what the main findings of the study were in relation to how the elderly gut microbiota could be influenced by where they live? For example, in care homes versus living at home.
1: Yeah, sure. So what we found is that the people living in care homes had a low diversity microbiome. And when we did the statistical analysis for co-association of diet and microbiome, we saw that those two variables were linked, suggesting that what you eat determined the kind of microbiome you had. And The weakness in that first round study was that we had people in care homes people living in the community and the people in the care homes were naturally sicker and older anyway that's why they're in a care home so we went back to the community and we sought people who deliberately or unwittingly consumed a low diversity diet or a low healthy food diversity diet as you know as a nutritionist you can you can classify dietary quality using a number of different systems And we use the healthy food diversity index because it's a nice single number. So when we identified people in the community who weren't necessarily ostensibly ill, but had a narrow range, low diversity diet, typically higher in dairy, red meat, lower in fiber, fruit, higher in high high glycemic index foods, they had uh, typically a significantly poorer microbiome. And when we looked at the clinical metadata, they had inferior stats for frailty, cognitive function, and inflammation, even though they were living in the community. So that was pretty much as far as we could take it without doing an intervention in terms of correlation analysis, hoping to show the association with poor microbiome and poor health status.
0: And now, moving away from the elderly population specifically, what do we know from research and evidence? on how different dietary patterns can influence the gut microbiota
1: yeah it's a great question and obviously people around the world have been working on this extensively and there were some key studies done in the us where they took people and university students put them into a, a dorm and gave them either all plant or all meat for a week and watched their microbiome changing and there were significant changes and that allowed people like Gary Wu to show that bacteroidetes were involved. Well, they responded to protein and fat in the diet, whereas Firmicutes seemed to respond more typically to fibers and to fruit in the diet. So it's been shown in lots of different studies in lots of different locations, including some exciting studies of endogenous Aboriginal people who consume sort of more um, ancestral type diets, that the more diverse and the more the, the, the less processed your diet is, the greater is your microbiome diversity. And some of the greatest microbiome diversity has been seen in Amerindian people in the Amazon who eat a large, diverse panel of different ingredients of plant origin and some meat, of course.
0: And so would you recommend any dietary patterns as an optimum for our gut microbiota?
1: I try to avoid issuing recommendations because I'm not a physician, I'm just a a humble scientist. What I can say is that in our experience, the Mediterranean diet is really good at promoting diversity of of the microbiome. We started in 2016 collaborating with uh, Danilo Ercolini and Francesca De Filippis in the University of Naples. And I was interested in in the Mediterranean region in general And I realized that people in France and Italy on a daily basis consume a diet, which is more close to a med diet than obviously in the UK or Ireland. And indeed, when when we looked at those subjects recruited in Naples, we compared omnivores, vegans and vegetarians. Omnivores eat everything. Vegans are strict and vegetarians are in, in between. And we saw they had very different microbiome types. That wasn't too surprising. And there were other reports. And we looked at the metabolites produced by the microbiome in the context of cardiovascular disease because microbes can convert some dietary in- ingredients into TMA, which is converted converting the liver to TMAO, which is a risk factor for atherosclerosis. And what we saw is that vegans and vegetarians had much lower levels of this potentially harmful metabolite than omnivores. But if you reclassify people as a function of adherence to a Mediterranean diet, Throw away the label of omnivore, vegan, vegetarian, just say graph them as a function of adherence to the med diet. Even the omnivores who had a high level adherence to a med diet had, had lower levels of this metabolite linked to uh, artery disease than did people with a low level adherence, showing that you, you can have all the benefits <laughs> the gastronomic benefits of being an omnivore but if you've got some level of adherence to a mediterranean diet you can mitigate some of the bad effects linked to this particular example heart disease and this was driven by adherence to a med diet now you have to be honest to say in lots of parts of italy people don't have a med diet uh, a lot of kids in Italy now have the same BMI as kids in the UK and Ireland, which is bad because they're eating chocolate spreads and lots of pasta. And that's not a med diet. A med diet is all about fruit fiber and legumes and oily fish. So we had done a dietary intervention in Ireland with prebiotics, which was quite disappointing. It was in 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 older people and we got some microbiome changes but relatively little clinical benefit so then in a european project which was coordinated by claudio franceschi in bologna we gave 500 people a med diet for one year and 500 people consumed their own diet for one year and they were spread across five cities in europe tremendously complex expensive project but you could only do it under the auspices of the European Union. And what we found was that these were all older people. People over the age of 65, their microbiome is expected to decline slightly, but measurably over one year, and they're expected to get frailer. The intervention group who received the MED diet, their microbiome held up and they had better frailty scores and cognition scores, inflammation scores than the, the control group and we could directly link to that beneficial effect to the degree of compliance because humans being flawed some people are very conscientious and only eat the med diet but some people sneak out to a burger joint on a friday night anyway and they were they honestly report what they ate so we were able to trace the benefits to the degree of compliance of the med diet and to some degree the kind of founding microbiome they started with so this was a really rewarding result for us because we had done some preclinical studies which were disappointing, a prebiotic intervention which was disappointing and this was the first tangible successful result showing us that we could maintain the microbiome and maintain health stats, in this case frailty, in the beneficial direction that we wanted.
0: That's really interesting and actually a really great take-home message for our listeners. So are there any other lifestyle factors with evidence to suggest that they might have an impact on our gut microbiota, whether that being positive or negative?
1: I'll tell you a quick vignette on a, a study we just completed on the travellers in Ireland. So pe- your audience may or may not know that travellers are a, a culturally distinct group In Ireland, about one percent of the population, they're genetically almost identical to the settled Irish community. But for the last thousand years or so, they've lived a nomadic lifestyle. They toured around Ireland, caravans. They had horses, dogs, lots of pets. And then about 20 years ago, the government said, "No, you're not doing that anymore," and they forced them to settle down. And for the longest while, we wanted to study their microbiome, and a colleague of mine, Fergus Shannon, made it happen. And I would never have predicted this, but it transpired that the microbiome of the Irish travelers was more similar to native people in South America and Mongolia than it was to anywhere else in the world, because they had a microbiome associated with lifestyle factors other than diet. And it was actually things like number of siblings, number of people they lived in close contact with, contact with animals. And it was not at all programmed by their food diversity index. So it appears that if you have a lifestyle like that, regardless of where you live, you you acquire a a, a distinctive and what we call an ancestral microbiome type, which is probably internally programmed for stability and community transmission, rather than a post-industrial Western microbiome, which you and I have, which is programmed by the kind of crap we've been eating since we were born. Lifestyle factors like number of pets, siblings, s- social contact is, is no longer typical or fashionable for people in, in Western countries to live in large families. We don't have multi-generational families anymore. We don't have a lot of social contact. We tif- typically have couples or solitary people, and that's not normal either.
0: So now that you have actually observed these findings in a small Irish population, where do you think the field of research is going to go in the future in terms of dietary patterns and lifestyle factors on the gut microbiota?
1: I think that we need to think about the effects of poor eating habits on the microbiome we have. So I'm involved in an EU project called Master, which is anchored here in Cork by Paul Cotter. And One of the aims of MASTER is to try to investigate the effects of sustainably produced, minimally processed foods on the microbiome. Now, we're not saying that mass produced food is bad. We know that we have to feed everybody. But in general, the less processed food is, the better. And sometimes it's even cheaper, although not everybody appreciates that. So we'd like to try and encourage people to consume diets which are less processed but we need to provide the evidence first that that's better for them so this is leading us in a direction of sort of microbiome design foods foods designed with the microbiome in mind which has not been the case in the past it was an obvious and understandable emphasis on nutrition what what nutritional is it providing what calories but now if we accept the fact that, that the microbiome co-evolved with us and was selected by us over tens of thousands of years to add additional benefits we need to protect it and based on the fact that in the the med diet study we saw that the baseline microbiome was important we worry about the ability of consumers to respond to microbiome directed foods because they've simply lost those microbes And we've been culturing the microbiome to produce what I guess you could call next generation probiotics to fill in the holes in the microbiome of these difficult anaerobic organisms, which typically can't or haven't been incorporated into foods like conventional probiotics to sort of replace these missing microbes as a result of Western lifestyle.
0: Thank you so much, Professor Paul O'Toole, for sharing the latest insights into how dietary patterns and lifestyle factors can affect our gut microbiota. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and to sign up for future episodes of our Microbiome Matters podcast, go to yakult.co.uk forward slash hcp.